Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. It's the 20th anniversary look at uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, perhaps Johnny Depp's, uh, well, most signature acting moment. And uh, we're going to take a look. Does it pass muster after all these years? Find out. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This week we're going to hit the high seas and walk the plank and drink some grog and have some talking parrots or some nonsense. Uh, It's a look at Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl from the Walt Disney Company, starring Johnny Depp and a cast of tens uh, from 2003, so it's about to turn 20 which is astonishing for a movie that was based on a theme park ride. That's kind of where we're taking it from, uh, a theme park ride. But it's the good one, the good movie based on a theme park ride. Uh, Had no business to be as entertaining as it was and spawned, you know, a bajillion sequels, which is also astonishing in and of itself. But, uh, you know, might have reinvigorated a very specific zombie portion of the pirate genre. We'll see. We'll get into it, plus all the freshes. Uh, movies and music and whatever. It's enjoyable. But uh, bottom line, it revitalized Johnny Depp's career before it all shambled into that whole domestic thing that we're all aware of. But uh, that's kind of piratey, right? Yo-ho, yo-ho, Jack Sparrow and all that. So is it a classic? Maybe, but we'll uh, investigate a little further. But uh, until then, enjoy what you listen to. Send us an email to magnificenthugegmail.com. We're also on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can reach us at maghuge.com, etc., etc., etc. You know the drill. You found the show. You listen now. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, 20th anniversary. Uh, celebration. Arr. Piratey. Get it? Arr. Okay. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast, the most corrupt podcast on the internet. Oh, I'm Eric. Only. <laughs> Eric, if only. Eric, this is Brian, and I want us to be corrupt because then there'd be money in it for us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this is Chris, and I am incorruptible, so eat it. <laughs> okay, it so if we get corrupt, Chris leaves the show. Did yeah. you, we got and, it. Okay, it's a plan. There were bells on the hill. And then we I each get to split the ad revenue that he gets from this. <laughs> yeah, yes. the non-existent ad revenue exactly. from yes. from uh, Purple Apron or whatever the fuck that company is called. That yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I wish we had a not- business model for this thing, but yeah, we're never that bright. Here, here's our business model. We're going to pay monthly for two different podcast hosting <laughs> services and use one of them and never take ads or monetize yeah. the podcast in any way. Yeah. That's and, we're our not, model. and we're not going to market at all. We're just going to hope that, you know, word of mouth carries us into the wind. Absolutely. At some point, someone is <laughs> going to say, oh, my God, this thing has been on the air forever. Yeah. I know. Six years and a dwindling audience later. I'm sure that wave is just coming any day look, now, boys. Look, I I, ref- I look at it this way: we're we're niche. That's the way to put it. Uh, yes, <laughs> people people who get it get it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, so to all of whatever. our niches and nephews that are listening to the show, <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> that was bad. 
Yeah, uh, you're welcome. Was, Brian, you've been the king of dad jokes ever since we've known you. I got to say, even when you were like 15, you were like king of the dad joke. It's astonishing that you've never lost that magic. <laughs> so, you know, I thank you. It's I I uh, we we took a trip to Pittsburgh to scope it out to move there and while yeah. I was there, I rediscovered the uh the power and the majesty of tasty cake uh which is, you know, the sort of east coast hostess. And so when yeah. I got home, I like looked up Tasty Cake. I just wanted to learn more about Tasty Cake. And I found a podcast, a Philadelphia-based podcast, because that's where they make them. And I just listened to that one show. And I think I, I think maybe that's the thing. Is people find us, they listen to that one show that's about that one thing they were searching about because oh, yeah. you know, we do such a deep dive on these individual things. And uh that's our listener base. They're they're yeah. transient. I'm yeah. I'm astonished at the podcast. It's like one thing, like every week, like a different movie or whatever. But it's always the same basic. Well, line. I mean, and it's it's consistent. We, but damn, we used <laughs> to do the thing where it was like, okay, let's talk about the entire career of Quentin Tarantino, and then that's <laughs> no. like a fourteen-hour episode, and we we learned. Oh, we, we were so young. We were so young. That was like our fourth or fifth episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then but I was since like, then, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, yeah, no way, no way. <laughs> but since then, we've broken it up with things like the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is fresh. Speaking of fresh, uh, I just have to ask: Did you have a Permanente Brothers sandwich while you were in Pittsburgh? Just out of curiosity, mm, I don't, I don't think so. I don't okay. know a Permanente Brothers. Permanente Brothers have... is, is like a, it's like a big, like local sandwich thing. This like weird. Uh, sandwich where they put french fries on the sandwich and whatnot ah, it's yeah it's yeah. like a local thing i read about a uh, pittsburgh salad which is basically a salad with french fries in it <laughs> yeah apparently That's... they like french fries in pittsburgh yeah who knew? Who knew? and pizza okay. there's more yeah. pizza places you know like per square mile than anywhere else in america yeah. and i had what i think is probably the worst pizza ever and it's a local favorite it's this thing where they make the crust and they put the the tomato sauce on it and then they just throw cheese on top of it. They don't melt it and they give it to you. And I guess you're supposed to eat it with <laughs> unmelted cheese. And I'm like, ah, Man, what am I supposed to do with this? This is, this is not inspiring me to move there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, for pizza. Well, no, but for, tasty yeah. cake. Oh, well, watch out. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I will say that uh, my wife is a diehard fan of the Washington Capitals hockey team. And their biggest rivalry is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And she fucking yeah. hates the Penguins with a passion. Like Sydney oh. Crawford, all of them. So this will be this will be fun uh, when you get there. Uh, we can do some fake yeah. smack talk that doesn't going, matter because neither of us care. Going all the way back to the mighty Mario Lemieux. Uh yeah, pretty much. She just hates Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, no, no real reason. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So, I didn't mean to sidetrack so the fresh There was shit. gonna be some fresh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There sorry, was. sorry. Uh, so uh, I I I saw some live music in, in uh up. the past. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh I went and I saw this band that everybody likes and I now realize I fucking hate. Love and Rockets. Oh no, you didn't enjoy What is it, it with you people? I know. What is it with uh, you people? You're it's an idiot. Like, that's what it's your like, problem is. It's your goth yacht rock. That's how I describe it. It is not yacht rock. It is psychedelia it's, is what it is, but they've it's gone through, sleepy. They've gone through so many weird career transitions. Uh by the time they hit the night and they started experimenting with more of like the electronic stuff uh-huh. and and whatnot. <laughs> so you kind of get this weird phase. So now it's like 
Yeah, like movies that's, like like that's like not hot. the set they're playing. That's, yeah. that's not no. So I also saw Love and Rockets because I went to the Cruel World Festival. We'll get we'll get into more of that in a bit, but um, pretty sure Eric saw a longer version of that I saw. But it's yeah. heavy on the first two albums, first three albums. Yeah. Here's the problem: the first like half, first two thirds of the show, it's all very slow, very. Uh, I'm like I can't tap my foot to this even. I'm just what? It's it's yacht rock. Then like the last third, they get into the faster, like actual, you know, people aren't dead songs. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, I, they're not bad, but yeah, I just was not I having mean, a good time. notice because i was up in like a balcony uh a seat or stand or whatever the number of completely shaved heads from old guys who were starting to lose their <laughs> hair and thought that they would cut it off at the pass and just shave their entire head now they look like yeah. freaks yeah yeah it's like no thanks. sorry no white guys can't pull that off but it's amazing how every fifth head was just sort of bobbing up and down to this you know slow boring music I mean, clear, clearly you are not a fan, and it seems like yeah. this would be a tour that is more designed for the <laughs> fan. So again, Brian and I have to tell you now, you're an idiot. Yeah, uh, for not liking them. So no, we'll the, just leave it at that. For for fans, I, I get it. If you're not a fan, I can totally see why that's Eric's reaction, right? Yeah. Like I, I told my brother to go watch a different act at the same time at the Cruel World because, like, I know he he doesn't know their music, but we, for us, or at least. And, and Eric may have been kind of out of our, our little circle at that time, but, you know, around that time, 87, 88, uh, we were all into Express and Seventh Dream of Teenage Heaven and eventually Earth, Sun, Moon. And yeah, it was it was all of that stuff. Right. And, yeah. and uh, I remember they, seeing them. Uh, I think it was on the the actual eponymous album, uh, Love and Rockets, when they would that went on that tour mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was amazing and then a couple of years like later in the 90s i saw him again this must have been when uh sweet fa i think had come out i'm in a club in like uh mesa and uh orgy opened for them because they had that big cover of Blue yeah, Monday yeah at the time and the place was fucking packed and i'm like oh cool look at all these kids that are getting to love and rockets like orgy got up played their set like 30 minutes and left and like the place just vacated i was like oh fuck all of you people <laughs> screw you wow. so that was the last Eric, time i saw him. here's the question i have for you and, and maybe you don't know the answer but the 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 performance i saw was the very first one they had done together like in 15 years and mm-hmm. you know i had been reading interviews with them and they've been kind of rehearsing like to the tapes in isolation and not together oh wow that's amazing and daniel ash like fucked up two of the songs really bad on the (laughs) i saw like did so alive was one of them i don't have yes yeah they fucked that up too uh they like lost they lost the backing track because that dude 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 the backup singers do just came in at the wrong place and all three of them ended up looking at each other like what just happened 
Uh, they actually had a, a woman on stage doing part of that, but they also had the backing track, and yeah, they just got all like confusicated. Uh, on that. So it was, weird. It was just that's the three the, of them. That's on, like on their ginormous track. hit too. That's like the one you don't, you don't want to fuck up on is the one everybody knows. That'd be like like Devo going on stage and fucking up Whip It, and then having all the assholes and be like fuck you. <laughs> I mean, well, it's the same thing. The other one that. That Daniel Ash just seems to have completely forgotten, which is funny because it's got like two chords, is Haunted When the Minutes Drag. (laughs) And what's really weird is he's he's singing the right part at the right time, but he's playing the wrong chord. Yeah. Wow. Isn't he in like 17 goddamn bands? I mean, mean, yeah. Who knows? He's got a lot of stuff. He's also like in his 70s now, right? I mean, they're all about 70, yeah. Yeah. I assume all the bands we were into in high school uh, are now in their book. 70s and it's just weird yeah I, but so, I will my, my, my ultimate review of them though was they desperately needed uh, Peter Murphy up there you know it's like oh, I can hear this music and dude. I can understand it if you've got like you know basically a big pile of you know something acidic to rev shit up you know because uh, otherwise was, it's just easy listening that was never their vibe though man it's like they are they are not Bauhaus <laughs> it's sort of like when Joy Division was exactly. no longer and it yeah. became a uh, new exactly. order it's a totally different vibe man yes totally exactly different. they're not Bauhaus is probably my 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 big uh negative review okay well <laughs> Eric Reed says they're not Bauhaus <laughs> for me who is, who is a fan of this music and have never seen them I loved it even though they fucked up two of their songs yeah oh well I kept oh, well. I and I would look at Vince at at uh uh, uh Daniel Ash and I kept thinking of Vince Noir from uh, Mighty Boosh Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Future sailors. Future. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a. Yeah. Look at me. I'm a goth rock star. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. sorry you were we're underwhelmed by the Love and Rockets. I, I here's the thing. Like in the '80s when I was in high school, I kind of went meh. I don't get it. And yeah, like a obviously. lot of time passed, and you guys were always talking about how much you liked them. And I was like, maybe they're good. I just haven't given them a shot. I mean, uh, my wife wants to see this show. I'll go. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I'll like it. And then I go and I go, nah, nah, yeah. same opinion. I mean, they're no <laughs> sisters of mercy. Don't get me wrong. No. Hey, now, hey, now, no, no. <laughs> I, I love how Eric is all like, yeah, I don't like these guys. They're yacht rock. But man, I'm going to totally see the guy from Spandau Ballet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't ever expect consistency from Eric Reed ever. It's, hey, I've got no problem with yacht rock. I'm just like, I I thought it was going to be more than that, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. If somebody had told me, look, okay. they're basically uh, Pink Floyd, but with black eye makeup, I would have been like, oh, all right, maybe let's try. Yeah, because they're basically trying to do a psychedelic show, and so they've got like this whole video feedback thing that they're doing on the monitors, and it's it's doing stuff like you know, sort of Instagram filter stuff where it tries to pop s- swirlies on their eyeballs. And at one point, it makes their heads <laughs> into the bubble men heads um, right. and stuff like did they, that. But, did they yeah. do the bubble men stuff at all? No, that was the only appearance of the bubble men was the was the bubble men faces on their heads. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, I always like it when they like they come out. Do we wish we were the bubble men? We wish we wish <laughs> we wish. Yeah, always fun. Yeah. And it might have slightly bummed me out to be sur- surrounded with like a bunch of dudes who are as old as I am going, oh my God, Love and Rockets, and being like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that I that was kind in, of my but... experience at the Alanis Morissette show. Oh, was God. like, I was really there for the garbage as, as the opener. And then there's like all these like huge Alanis fans all around me. I'm like, I am glad you're having a great show, but I'm clearly not one of you. 
Isn't yeah. it ironic, Brian? That guy who <laughs> dumped you like t- 30 years ago and got you all into Alanis, he doesn't even remember you, lady. Yeah, really? Ooh. Hey, now. Hey, now. So, hey, now, hey, now, now. Yeah. Waga, waga. Uh, you guys are giving me all the all the segues into, <laughs> in, into my question. Did you do, have have more? All, do you have all the segues? You can probably take uh, like a salve for that. If you uh, no, no I right. think I'm good. So I'll, I'll just pick that ball up and it was goth week for me and my wife um inclusive of the sisters of mercy uh which was a separate show um with all the hey nows uh, you know hey now no, no. yeah the, the 20 minute rendition of this corrosion because it's a live show no it was actually like the four minute rendition of this really corrosion. okay yeah they did he's not learned. do the long versions of anything he's learned um okay. so yeah sisters of mercy live um I had been seeing advanced word on a number of the Facebook groups I'm on uh, about this show, and it was basically not encouraging. But I think we got one of the good ones because uh, they sounded pretty good, actually. Um, they 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 do not care if you're into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which ultimately entire... is what you want, right? That's what yeah. you want in a show. I don't it's, care if you're here or not. You've already paid for the ticket. It's hostile to the audience a bit. Like the nice. band is backlit. You can't see their faces. They're in silhouette the entire set. Cool. And he's <laughs> he's just a little goblin up there, Andrew Eldritch, you know, just growling out his shit and his mic is kinda low in the mix and he does not <laughs> care. <laughs> um but it's like, they, they played a little bit of everything. They played a lot of new material, and I, I knew they were going to because none of that's been released, and they've been talking about it. And it's like, oh boy, you know, this could be very, very bad. But actually, the new material works pretty well with the old material, and I didn't mind it. Uh, it was okay. fine. Okay. Good. But um, but that was easily the lesser of all the other shows I saw. I did go to the Cruel World show, and Love and Rockets was a big reason why. Um, Eric is so glad he didn't go to Cruel World. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad Eric didn't go to Cruel World. I mean, when you guys uh, talked about it last year, it just sounded like, uh, I don't know, like a, a baton death march of music. Almost. Yeah, I, I got squashed and dehydrated to the point I came out of it like a Pringles chip. It was not <laughs> fun. So um, it was not as hot as it was the the previous year, which was nice. But um, two things that would have really gotten Eric's goat: uh, one, Adam Ant canceled at the last minute. Yeah, I heard. And uh, uh, come on, man. You you know he flipped out. That's the problem. I I worry yeah, about Adam you. Don't Ant. know that he canceled a bunch of shows, and and the dude's like bipolar. Yeah, it, it yeah. happens. Yeah. Um. And then they replaced him with Squeeze, but I didn't see Squeeze. Uh, Ooh, oh, but I, I would love have Squeeze, seen Squeeze, man. Yeah. yeah, Glenn Tilbrook, man. I love his stuff. Love a good um, Squeeze. But uh, the other thing that happened was um, the show got cut off in the middle of the Iggy Pop set. Just they cut the mics and they put up a big red things like bad weather coming, evacuate now. <laughs> and so Susie didn't play at all oh, um, that night. And I so, heard like, that. They gave the the uh, that announcement, and Iggy was still on the stage, and they yeah. cut like the sound, but he didn't know, so he's still yeah. Iggy popping out. I imagine they came up to me and they said, "Dude, dude, we we cut the sound. We got it. We got to." Did I rock too hard? No. It, <laughs> Did so I give what happened much? was um, <laughs> they they were trying to make an announcement over the PA. They cut the sound, and their mic for making the announcement didn't work, so it was just the sound dropped. Yeah, and they did What's this like the good? two other times, and eventually they drop it, and Iggy's like. 
okay, so apparently uh, we're supposed to evacuate the stage right now. So uh, bye. And yeah. <laughs> I just, I just imagine him doing like the bit from the movie Hardware. What's the good news? There is no fucking good news. <laughs> so, was that the announcement though? The like the storm is here. Run! I mean, yeah, really hardcore. And then just boom, and then this big red yeah. screen, and it's like, yeah, gotta go. And then and, you know, and then like Garth Alger shows up on stage people at this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, and, Garth Alger gets up there. Don't eat the red licorice. <laughs> but before that ended first of all iggy pop was better than expected that was nice he brought like a full horn section it was a lot of fun um with red peanut butter on himself or is he over that I, antic? I i don't think we got that far into this okay <laughs> he looks like a leather handbag these days though yes, it's just does. kind of it's kind of crazy the dude's been um, out in the sun way too much over his but, lifetime let's see the the other acts that uh, they wanted to call out, actually Echo and the Bunny Men didn't suck, and they they might you know they were threatening to suck. Um, I've seen them, and I they're, they they're not bad. The, they wouldn't let the cameramen uh, put them on the screen. So basically, if you weren't in the crowd where you could see the stage, you just saw the Echo and the Bunny Men logo and heard them playing, and you couldn't see <laughs> shit. But we <laughs> have that. I love when when bands are around long enough to have enough stature where they can just go. No, we're not doing that. Eat it. Eat it. Yeah, That's, this is we're here to play. <laughs> um, but by far the the person who sort of kicked Cruel World in the balls was Gary Newman. Just just slayed. That guy came out right? there. He knew too. He knew, you could see it on his face. He's like he gets on stage. Like, These motherfuckers have no idea what we're about to do to them. <laughs> and then he just unleashes his, his live show. His act. Great. Yeah. yeah. No. He he just destroyed he was great So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as stacked a bill as last uh, time time around. Um, but uh, the acts that I wanted to see, other than Adam Ant, I got to see. I didn't really go for Susie. Um, and then they um, they scheduled a makeup show the following day. It was like if you're there the following day, then you can get in. And then they had Gary Newman, Iggy Pop, and Susie do sets that day. And and if you couldn't get it, you'd get some of your money back. And I'm, I got some of my money back because that night I was all the way down to San Diego for The Cure. The Cure. The Cure. <laughs> the Cure. Uh, um, I'm Robert is, Smith, and I'm from The Cure. This is like the best tour going right now uh, for a few reasons. One, he's forcing Ticketmaster to cut their fees. Nice. Tickets are reasonably priced. The merch is reasonably priced. His T-shirts are like twenty-five bucks, as opposed to like forty or fifty. The way a lot really because at the now. Depeche Mode show, they were like fifty bucks for a fucking T-shirt. I'm like, you're insane. Yeah, no, it, it, he's he's like actually trying to do a normal tour the way they used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, good on him because yeah, the one reason Nancy and I don't go to shows anymore is just because we go, oh, that'd be cool to see, and we look at it and we're like, fuck that ticket price, I could buy a whole car for that. No, yeah. no it is amazing. Are reasonably the, priced. 
that the President of the United States in his State of the Union address by name mentions Ticketmaster. Well, that's after the whole Taylor Swift nonsense. Yeah, but it's like it got it got that bad that like it's like, no, 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 we're coming after you assholes. (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, it's crazy. Anyway, I mean, not that he wasn't playing Live Nation, you know, Ticketmaster owned venues. He totally was, but uh, still. I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid at this point, right? Yeah, unless you're Eddie Vedder or whatever. But yeah, you know, but um, the Cure Live. Awesome. Like no tracks, all live instruments and sounds just like the album anyway. But you can tell it's live. Are they doing like just a, a smattering of songs from over the eras, or is it like um, consistent? It's a, with yeah, a particular... it's all over the place. But they are okay. in support of a forthcoming album, and I got to okay. tell you, the new material is some of the best stuff. Like, it's actually really good. I think this new album's gonna rule. Um, cool. but but yeah, they played they played all the hits. Also, okay. they made you wait for all the hits. So. I love when this they is do a three-hour-long performance by The Cure with two encores, and by far, most of the songs that people came there to listen to were in the second encore. <laughs> well, that's huh. just it, though. It's like you're not going to play all of the good stuff up front because then everybody's just going to leave. You got to string them yeah. along, man. You know, I get it. But Bit of showmanship, please. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> now, The Cure really good tour if it's if it's coming to town and you're a listener of the show check it out it's it's reasonably priced and a hell of a show so get your value there you go i've (laughs) rambled on way too long chris you got fresh shit uh i do as a matter of fact i finally watched uh john wick chapter four okay uh, almost three hour long uh like end to the john wick saga allegedly without spoiling anything yeah. Does he shoot people? He shoots a lot of people uh, in a lot of weird sets. It's it honestly, this one above all is the most like actually playing a video game of a John Wick movie because it's just it stays like this long sprawling mythology about the high table and all of the underworld oh, stuff and whatnot. Totally a video it's, game. <laughs> and it's like the way they stage the action sequences. It's sort of like okay, this is the boss. For this level yeah you know like like the like the first boss level i would say would be donnie yen as the blind assassin named kane uh and then you've got like the thing where he's got to go to berlin to kill a a german dude to get back into the thing to get the other plot mechanism in motion to go to the end and blah 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 and i'm like okay so this is a boss he's like a big giant bald guy with gold teeth who can just take a beating and beats john wick and then like the end is you got to run he's got to run up like 200 some odd stairs to get to this church but he's got to like shoot guys and fight them and whatnot all the way up and then at one point he he gets to the top and then the bad the bad like henchman shows up and knocks him all the way down yep. to the end of the steps and then he's got to do it all over again I'm like this is like a video <laughs> game man this is totally a video the game. whole plot the whole structure is definitely a video game and there's a whole scene that's shot like 
like remember that game loaded on yeah, the yeah. PlayStation? Are you like talking that. about the one where it's like overhead and he's got yes. the, the gun yes. that's got like the, the fire bullets? Like when you shoot yeah. the dudes and they explode into flame. Yeah. I'm like, it's done all done overhead, Eric. <laughs> so you see the floor plane, but it's just like dilapidated building and he's just going through doors and you see the guys come up and it's literally like, oh, go left, go left, up, down, up, down, smash, smash, smash. And he's like, <laughs> it was literally it. But it's engaging enough. I mean, it's to me, it's the it's the weakest of the John Wick move, uh, primarily because they just oh, spent sure. so much time just oh, we've got we've got to do the mythology, man, like the continental and yeah. the table and blah blah blah. Nobody actually cares, including yeah, them. Yeah. Exactly. Just, that whole high table thing is just Calvin Ball. Okay, it's like yeah. all right, <laughs> yeah. we've got some ideas for some action set pieces. What? What bullshit stuff yeah. that's ancient and everybody knows that nobody knew before this movie are we going to just pretend existed now? Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was okay. I still my favorite is still the third one because it's just when they finally embraced how batshit the whole John Wick universe <laughs> is, and they just, that was obviously when we're like, well, well, who cares? We're just going to have fun. And then this one was sort of they reeled it in and got a little bit more serious again to kind of get in with the tone of the first one, and it just was sort of off somehow yeah. i mean it was okay it wasn't it wasn't great but i i i, I, I yeah i not enjoy it i still think the first one is really good uh but he actually dies in the end and all the rest of these movies are just fan fiction that's writing <laughs> Bob, in the yeah. universe i mean yeah that's when you watch the fourth one you're like wow that i mean after the first one's like that was a very tight compact story because i mean they weren't anticipating making all these sequels so it was like it's very much a vengeance movie from start to finish and it's just like brutal from start to end and then they're like they made all this money they're like oh well shit now we're making the sequel and then they get exponentially crazier as it goes out and yeah. it's just you know it's it, you, once you open that genie bottle it's hard to put a cork in it so there's i saw articles praising them for that that's like this is how you do a modern you know build up a new ip in the modern age you start small I, I and, and tight and then if it works you go ahead and expand your mythos and i'm like yeah okay I but guess. does everything have to wrong. be an ip yeah. yeah well consider yeah that everything uh new and original they try ends up getting flooded by the big disney live action remake or whatever uh, I just don't see much more opportunities for stuff like this. I mean, John Wick is an anomaly as far as I can tell, because it's just he showed up, it did reasonably well, and then they decided to push it, and then it became like a big thing against any sort of expectation. So, so I don't think yeah. we're going to see it. But it did make me think I would love to do a movie uh, paying homage to this sort of crazy, just gun-fu, stabbing, beheading, whatever uh and just call it the human punching bag and just make your character like that he like his whole thing is he can just take a beating and he never fucking stops until it gets to the end <laughs> <laughs> see if you could make anything out of that uh like the human punching bag too <laughs> it's just a why well, i don't see that happening so you know you know i i kind of agree that yeah we don't ev everything doesn't need to be an ip but at the same time if everything is going to be an ip anyway yeah, start start making some new stuff. I am kind of annoyed that mm -hmm. you know they keep rehashing everything. I sent you guys a video. I'll I think I'll include it in the comments that some very smart guy on YouTube made uh, describing I think what ten uh, uh, series that Hollywood just won't allow to die because yeah. they keep making money off it. But as a result, they keep making shittier and shittier movies. 
Yeah. Well, that's just it. It's like a law of diminished returns at some point. Like Fast and Furious is like, I think the Fast X just came out right recently. Nobody no. cares. And nobody cares. I'm like, I had no idea it was even out until I saw Fast X makes like 250 million, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who's going to see yeah. these? Who? Oh, this is interesting. When I was in Pittsburgh, uh, my wife and I were in, in the car. We're, we're stopped at a light and our windows kind of open and the car next to us, their window is kind of open. And these two girls are in there talking about, I don't know. I like the fourth one. But uh, the seventh one isn't as good. But, you know, the sixth <laughs> one, but the fifth one, but the ninth one, but the twelfth yeah. one, you know, it's like uh, they're having this conversation about this. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm I'm going, oh, they're talking about Fast and Furious there. It turns out they were talking about uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. But I, I didn't oh, know that. Fitting, and fitting. How it's fitting. Like, yeah. everything has too many uh sequels and goes yeah. on too long well and we can yeah, we can I, get I, into that during the meat of the this show uh because yeah i well, i agree with i some mean of that is sentiment. the time i mean i got nothing else unless one of you has uh some other bullshit you want to oh, talk let's, about let's do it <laughs> okay let's yeah. uh so yeah yo ho yo ho a pirate's life for me it's uh, life for thee. thee. <laughs> uh, remember when uh, it was a, a an odd idea to make a movie out of a like a theme park attraction, and now it's like <laughs> nobody cares. They don't bat an eye anymore. It's like how did that happen? <laughs> so, I'm IP the yeah the the uh, the upcoming twentieth uh, anniversary of the very unexpected uh, Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl, starring one Johnny Depp uh, from 2003. And, uh, Blue and, uh, and what's her face? Oh, Kira Knightley, Kira Knightley uh, and a cast of thousands. Uh, so, yeah, I, the only reason I pitched this is because it's coming up on the 20th anniversary and it's just astonishing, mostly because like Eric had said earlier, <laughs> there's like 5,000 of these things now. And I just <laughs> am astonished that, that that happened but well that are you said <laughs> well not really uh, but that that said i went and saw it in 2003 opening weekend because i have a soft spot for pirate movies i know that probably yeah. shocks you uh but i was also very curious because i'm like get out of here it's based on a theme park ride this is gonna be fucking terrible yeah. and i came out entertained it's a popcorner from start to finish it's got some of the disney luster on it uh i was really kind of floored by how enjoyable it was overall and i didn't hate it and then it made a bajillion dollars and then they suddenly said okay now we got to make five thousand and it just yeah. keep going crazier and bigger and louder money is to money. the point yeah yeah so, i i had i i, had, I, I had, and bear in mind only like maybe a year or two earlier was the uh eddie murphy haunted mansion movie mm -hmm. which was it sort of signaled oh this is a bad 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 it idea. was around that time and there was like okay. a country bears movie and yeah like yeah. the 101 102 dalmatians with glenn close was around that time yeah like this was not going well yeah uh, which is why which is why i sort of uh went in with sort of like a a you know craning your neck at a car accident kind of thing uh because i was really just like the, the track record for these is just dumb so um, it was, I had a, it was sort I had of a similular experience. I went. I I've only seen this movie twice. Once in the theater twenty years ago, and once yeah. this last week. Okay. Um. And did it hold up? 
did it hold up? It totally well, first of all, it worked at the time, right? Like so I had gone in with with so little knowledge of this movie that the nature of the curse of the Black Pearl was not known to me. So there's a reveal in the movie, a 20 year old movie, spoilers don't care. Um, all of the pirates on the Black Pearl are really zombies, and when the moonlight hits them, they are actually like rotted corpses yeah, yeah. in the moonlight. And I had no idea that they were going to go for that level of like supernatural weirdness. It's crazy, right? It's um, just I love the fact that they they added all of that supernatural element because if you look at it, if you watch pirate movies in yeah. general, they're they're very much in line with say like Treasure Island, like that classic. Like we got we got the map, we got to find the treasure, and this one breaks literally every rule of a pirate movie, and it works on so many levels. And that's I think ultimately why I still enjoy it. Because okay. it's just, it doesn't give a fuck, you know? It starts as this Errol Flynn, Indiana Jones thing. And right. like, there's this really inventive sword fight scene between Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom, where they're like on a teeter-totter on a barrel and, and oh, in the, fighting in, in the, the, black in shop? the Raptors yeah. and just they they come up with a lot of inventive action. And then so I'm like, oh, OK, this is going to be like, what if Cutthroat Island was good? Right. Oh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then and then they go further with it. And yeah, no, it was it was a really pleasant surprise. Yeah. Well, I like that uh, the the ghost pirates don't actually show up until Lord, like 40 minutes into it or something like when the gold the aztec gold coin that uh Keira knightley's been holding on to since childhood uh falls into the water and then it does the like ripple echo thing whoosh and then suddenly uh that night the pirate ship shows up and then all hell breaks loose but they wait so long to show their hand as far as what they're up to and it's just it sh it shouldn't work but somehow it does and i think it's because they give you uh an unleashed johnny depp who basically had nothing to to lose when he got cast in this thing it was sort of like when they did rdj for iron man it's just like just go do your thing have fun but also also gore verbinski does know what he's doing i mean he's <sighs> he's made some clunkers but he i don't know it's like i this is a very controlled movie yes it doesn't get mm -hmm. out of hand and with somebody like johnny depp you could let him go too far like you know yeah, like yeah. it was jim carrey or something right i yeah after i after this i saw rango and i said no no this guy this guy knows how to make well, films well, Rango is his his best movie. I gotta say, yeah. Uh, I would say Pirates of the Caribbean is his second best overall, and then like Mouse Hunt. I've never seen The Ring, so I can't speak to that. I just watched The Mexican again recently, and it's just terrible. And, I've like, never that's seen the, that. It's yeah. so uneven. It doesn't make a lick of sense from start to finish as far as the character motivations and whatever. But it's it's the one he made before Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, so the fact that they gave him a bajillion dollars to do this thing is just astonishing to me but uh but it's fun but i but i when i watch it i don't remember anything from the the disneyland ride really oh there's I mean, a it's, bit where they're trying to get the the dog you know the the prisoners are trying to get the dog to come closer because he's oh right the piece, so the, right right was definitely from the ride but you don't have like the the wife auction uh or any of that weirdness so it's just well so this is the problem with this movie is they changed the ride and yeah. turned it into the adventures this. of Captain Jack Sparrow. I mean, that makes sense, though. No, that, and, fuck and, that. And they got rid of, you know, stuff like 
the the wife auction or the pirate chasing the woman in a circle so he can rape her mm-hmm. and they, yeah. they flipped it around so the woman is chasing the guy around with mm-hmm. like a yeah. rolling pin i barely remember that but the, the only thing that i found pirates of the caribbean the ride good for was if you're at disneyland and it's a hot summer day it like was air conditioned because it goes inside and they've got all the animatronics and stuff i like oh. it i i like that ride i think it's fun i i, I mean you know, well, i don't I also like just, yeah no, I also I'm like just the restaurant at the beginning of it because they painted the <laughs> ceiling to look like you're outside. Yeah, yeah. And there's this really nice little restaurant that that you get that as your view and it's air conditioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The AC would sold it for me. No, it's it is it is a time warp because that's the way you know they uh, Disney used that was that was always the big thing with Disney is nobody else can do this and nobody yeah. else still does it. It's yeah. like a diorama. I remember yeah. dioramas in grade school and how trippy those were and how mm-hmm. you know fun it was to make those out of a shoebox. That's what I think is so great about that ride is the whole thing is a diorama that you're you're well, like sort of slunk into. That sort of makes sense though, because I think that was the last ride that Walt Disney actually had a hand in. Mm-hmm. Like 1967 it came out. I think he died like three months before it opened. And so it just got his stamp all over it. Yeah. Uh and they were gonna do like, I don't know, like wax statues or whatever but they're like no we've got all this technology now for all of these uh like animatronic whatever and they just did it up uh yeah well i mean it's it's the ultimate extension of the dark ride like it's the jungle cruise it's mr toad's wild ride it's the mansion and this right it's it's like okay sit back and enjoy all of the cool ass stagecraft that we can do well and in a controlled environment like this. And they they pull it off so well too. Cause one of the first times I did it, I think it was the first time I wrote it. It was like an overcast day in Orange County. And I did the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And you were talking about the ceiling and whatnot. And it literally like the the boat comes in and it's the same color as the sky was outside. And so my mind could not make the <laughs> connection that I was inside of a ride. It just it was so like weird until I and there's a fucking air vent like up in the corner and i'm like all right illusions <laughs> ruined i'm done <laughs> so it wasn't the animatronic like pirates going yo ho ho har 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 da, da, yeah. da, da, you know that didn't ruin it for me it was like i saw an air vent in the corner uh, we, so. we we went in uh florida at the disney world one and we had we were there basically long enough that there was nobody left <laughs> to go in the park i think it was like the end of the day right. and we're on pirates for like the third or fourth time that day and as we're going down i i, I say to tanya we got to turn around because this is the only chance we're going to get to see this whole ride backwards so we did <laughs> we watched the whole thing from back you know from the reverse and it's amazing the amount of detail they put into that ride that you never see and then yeah. it blew me away they actually bothered to put in a show if you're watching from reverse right and nobody ever sees it well and that's and that's a fair point which translates into the movie which is something that thank you again for the segue uh-huh. uh that uh that i was thinking of re-watching this again uh is that as a pirate movie goes it's act i mean it's got all of the the cliche nonsense mumbo jumbo but it feels lived in and it doesn't feel like uh, a big budget just hey we're gonna make a pirate movie like cutthroat island which is just terrible from start to finish because it's just there's no there's no artistry to cutthroat island whereas pirates of the caribbean thinks probably in large part to gore verbinski because he he did music videos and commercials and stuff so he understands the visual language and it all sort of melds together and it literally is 
a, a ride from start to finish and but it doesn't really register until you're through it and then when you go back and you look at the movie from start to finish it's like okay so this is the beginning slow build and then like they throw you in like it is a theme park ride yeah. and it's just it's astonishing that they pulled it off and didn't make it uh cloying like a haunted mansion or whatever which is just terrible it's like when you watch it you're like oh this is just crass commercialism like i watched this yeah it's crass commercialism but it somehow works i don't know there's understand. another haunted mansion movie coming like this year and they're doing it again because muppet haunted mansion didn't take off in a couple of years ago after the eddie murphy haunted mansion <laughs> They're gonna. They're not gonna stop trying. But they're it looks like. Yeah. But it looks like they're doing. Uh, they're doing an actual horror movie, which will be interesting. I mean, yeah. if they can pull that off. What I are mean, they, yeah. I'm curious. What are the earmarks of a pirate movie? Because I can only. I can't really think of any. Uh, you gotta have like the the map to the hidden treasure somewhere. Uh, you gotta have guys swinging from the masts on and uh, from one <laughs> boat to another and a sword fight. Yeah. And also some kind of naval combat with cannons. Yeah. You've got to have the, the marauding type brutes that are just there to, you know, rape women and steal and whatnot. Uh, you've got the debonair rogue, all a Captain Jack. Uh, Probably have somebody getting stranded on an island. Yeah. Stranded on an island, uh, walking the plank, yeah. uh, you know, all of all of that nonsense. And like every one of these things is in this movie. Yeah. I mean, they literally like went down the, the list uh, and and did it. But then they add zombies, which was an interesting touch. But my favorite thing about this, is the, the the major thing that they subverted is because like every pirate movie essentially is about, you know, got to find the treasure. And that's the goal. This one is like, oh, we got to return the treasure so we can lift the curse. It's basically about getting all of the treasure back <laughs> so that they can move on with their lives. And I always found that highly amusing because it just that's that's not a pirate movie trope at all it just sort of flips it on its head which <laughs> i always enjoyed uh but yeah so it's you know, they think like pirates of penzance i mean that's like if you want the biggest parody of a pirate movie gilbert sullivan did it first because it's just like oh here's the young guy he's of age but no he doesn't want to be a pirate anymore so he's going to go off and then there's like romance and then the pirates show up again and then there's like all the singing and whatnot it's really dumb, but this sort of follows the Pirates of Penzance model without any of the song and dance is uh-huh. the best way I can put it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess in right. the end, this this movie does what all great sort of big, dumb summer movies do, right. uh, which is to switch gears between competent, clever action scenes and fun and funny Right. Like you you get some of these movies. I mean, even John Wick is an example of that. But you get some of these movies where it's like all one note and they they're missing the mark. It's the difference between the first Transformers movie and all the rest of them. Right. Like it's it's if you're trying too hard to be cool. Yeah, it's ponderous. And this movie knows when to sort of like have fun and then when to have action and then. It, it understands how to it understands pacing it understands ebb and flow right and it works as as a big fun crowd pleaser well i think uh, uh ultimately where it works is that uh well the the screenplay the the two guys that wrote it ted elliott and terry rossio uh had done 
you know, other stuff. I mean, they, I mean, they wrote Shrek more or less. And so I think that's where you get a lot of the fun for Pirates of the Caribbean Curse mm. of the Black Pearl. I mean, it just sort of translates in. It's sort of like, well, we're going to have fun with like that one was, we'll have fun with the, the kid's fairy tale. This one we'll have fun with the, you know, the traditional movie. Uh, but then you get Gore Verbinski who uh, has had done some interesting movies up to that point. Uh, but Mouse Hunt is probably my the the strongest as debut up to this one. But then you get the strength of the cast. I mean, the, the thing is just an, an impeccable cast as far as what they're doing, like even down to the smaller roles. But when you get Jeffrey Rush playing Barbosa and he plays it so straight, it just works. It's a, such a counterbalance to Johnny Depp, who's just all over the place doing his drunk yeah. Keith Richards routine. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just, it provides balance. Because when you get into the sequels, which are just bigger and bloatier, uh, I love Bill Nye as Davy Jones or whatever, what the squid, but it just, it relies too much on the, the CGI like stuff because he's like a half man, half squid or whatever. And so, he's fun, but it just doesn't carry the same weight as as Barbosa in this one, who literally so just thing. wants to feel again, you know? I haven't seen any of the sequels. I even had anything. kids that were the right age for these things when they came out, and I have not seen one of them. I have not wanted to. I have not cared. I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed this movie again this time. I don't know why I don't care, but I just don't. I, I'm like, the yeah. same way. No, no. Yeah, I, 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 It was on cable at some point. And I had the opportunity to watch it, and I saw a few minutes of it, and I went, "Ew, no, do not care." It, I, it, yeah, it literally is just designed to be the sequel to make money. That's literally it. There's I just mean, nothing. You've to heard it. what I bring to the fresh shit. I don't know yeah. why I'm not watching these movies. <laughs> I mean, I mean, give it a roll and see if you do. But it's just at that point, it's just it definitely suffers sequelitis. You didn't start- just say your taste is in your ass, but why don't I like this movie? Did you? I, I'm, <laughs> he, I'm saying he that it. I have sat it. through what are almost certainly worse movies, right? Just out of 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 sheer like need to like pacify my brain. Yeah. Right. So. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, I think yeah, I I think that the sequels are just missing that certain that Barton Fink feeling, if you will. It's just they're they're kind of flat because they just the budget went huge. And they just did this giant, crazy, like so, unnecessary so it's the difference ride between John Wick and John Wick Chapter Four. Exactly. Okay. It's yeah. just it's it's louder, dumber. Uh, it's sort of like when they did another uh, ride into a movie recently, the one for Jungle Cruise with The Rock and Emily Blunt, which is just there's no there's no center. It's just an empty, hollow core because it's just. You know, oh, well, we got this movie property. With a zombie curse, strangely yeah. enough. <laughs> so it's just like whatever. But this one, I don't know. It just it always astonishes what, me that, that it managed to, to tell us is that the yeah. rides are cursed, basically. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, just in this thing, I mean, they just they took the time to de- to develop enough character arcs to make them interesting. You know, like uh, Will just wants. Uh, the girl and he's you know he doesn't want to be a pirate and he's very much of that pirates of penzance tradition with the 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 young guy in that then you've got uh the girl who's the daughter of the governor who and the governor is uh uh, jonathan price which i loved 
because mm-hmm. when he shows up in anything, it's fun. Who who is you can tell he gets older in the movie because in the early scenes his fake powdered wig is brown, and in the later <laughs> scenes his <laughs> yeah. fake powdered wig yeah. is gray. Yeah, go but, yeah. Uh, but then you get uh, the girl uh, played by uh, Kira Knightley, who's uh, uh, what's her name in this thing? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Swan. Swan. Can can we talk about this character? Because I mean. Yes, okay. It 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 is set when it's set and and she's basically chattel and that makes sense. Yeah. But the degree to which this character is not only like very okay with that more or less is willing to use it <laughs> to her advantage, right? At yeah. one point, okay, I'll, I'll marry him then. Okay, great. We'll do yeah, that, yeah. you know. Well, um, yeah. They ex- they expand on that in the sequels to agree but by the, the the second sequel she's like an actual pirate queen it's so weird like her transition in this thing uh <laughs> okay but, but for this one yeah it's like oh i'm betrothed to him and but I, i'll i'll marry him and then i'll flirt with jack when it suits me so it's yeah. like yeah it's a weird i mean she's not like that's, the traditional damsel in distress but it's still sort of yeah come on now that's where the movie lost me actually was um and it lost me the first time and it still doesn't work is they went one step too far with the her and Jack thing, right? Like, yeah. okay, I get that. Okay, yes, she's really in love with the guy, Will, whatever Turner. the fuck, Turner, and and is is going to marry into the aristocracy because that's what you do, and all of that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, when it's they're stranded on the island and there's actual like chemistry between her and Johnny Depp, that was like. I don't know. Made no sense. Like a... Yeah, he's like shown yeah. no no character traits that that make him admirable, just funny. Yeah. You know? I mean, nobody ever falls in love with the comedic um yeah, comedic thing. Well, that's just it. I mean, they <laughs> they, they never they never set Jack Sparrow up to be any sort of like romantic lead. Yeah. It's like he's the main character in this all this nonsense, but he's just so far far out there. It, like the choice like when antagonist yeah but he's he's there to be like the main i mean he's sort of like the the anti long john silver because he's just he's you can't take him seriously at all yet at some point he becomes the most serious pirate in the whole lot it's just the weirdest thing i don't know how they 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 pulled it off because it wasn't annoying to me and it should have been when his his boat is sinking and it manages to sink right up to the dock and he just <laughs> oh, and walks the, and off ent- the his boat. entrance yeah right that says it all it's like chaos will happen around me and i won't care yeah. so the moment you get him to care about something y- you've you've reduced him you know he's yeah. not as interesting he has to be the the drunk that is walking completely straight during the earthquake yeah i guess it is sort of a foster brooks sort of a deal right it's just yeah. that's sort of what it reminds me of uh where he's just he's just drunk for the sake of being drunk uh etc etc yeah his mind is so fried that he can't take anything seriously yeah and it's like yeah once he does it's like i don't when he yeah yeah stop it (laughs) yeah yeah i was i was very glad when it turns out she has no interest in him whatsoever and that scene ended yeah it just felt well i mean felt like the movie was going the wrong way at that well, point. Well, I mean, it's like the whole point of that, I think, is to sort of outline his his character mythology. Like, everybody's built him up as this, like, invent pirate king. And 
you know, that he got off the island before when he was marooned, but then you find out it's because he found a cache of rum and just basically waited for the the other pirates to show up and then take him off, uh, etc. So it's like, yeah, he's just sort of the one step ahead, but just barely kind of a, a dude, which is counterbalanced by Jeffrey Rush's Barbosa, who's just, he's, he's not straight up evil. He's kind of sad. And that really makes it a strong character to me. It's like, well, he, doesn't he do the fast and furious thing and become one of the good guys in all the other movies or something? Uh, it's sort of like, yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing, which I don't understand. Like they just, they, they do some shenanigans to bring him back from the dead. It's just like, whatever. But I love the scenes in this when he's got, uh, uh, Elizabeth Swan in his, uh, stateroom and he's making her eat all this stuff. And you can't figure out what's going on because they haven't done the reveal that they're zombies yet. And he's just very intent on, you know, have have this, have that. And then you find out that it's because he can't eat and he can't drink and it's driving him literally insane. So that begs the question, why is there any food on the boat? Uh, why was it cooked? Don't ask, Go, don't ghost, ask. ghost food? Ghost they food. don't eat it. Yeah. It, as Chris it's, was saying, the whole point is he can't have it. So like, yeah. why, why go to all that trouble? That seems like a lot of weight and uh, effort. Yeah. Best not to overthink it. Yeah, Best no. Not to overthink it. Well, also don't overthink how that giant boat got under the pier when Johnny Depp stepped off the mast, right? Like yeah, that should well, tell yeah. you how seriously to take any of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but I love uh, I love Barbosa just as a foil because he's got that whole like when he's explaining the actual plot of the movie to her, and he's got that whole bit. I think it's in the trailer too. But he's like. Uh, you keep talking about ghost stories, Miss Swan. You best be- start believing in because you're in one. And then like, the moon hits him and he's a zombie and it's like, what? <laughs> and then it's like the whole zombie dance thing. I mean, like they could pull that off in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in 1967. That would have been mind blowing. I don't think it would have worked <laughs> at the time, but I think it would have it would have been interesting to well, see. But, OK, the, that is one of the other reasons why it works. And it's another reason why Raiders works. It's movie that knows that it's going to like be kind of scary to little kids right like it's not afraid to go there and be a little horrific and be a little bit uh intense yeah yeah like but not in a not in an inappropriate like we just you know we're teaching you to be axe murderers kind of way but more in a you know kind of way yeah so i mean it works uh Oh, and the other thing too, watching it recently that I totally, totally forgot uh, was that Zoe Saldana shows up in it. I'm oh, like, yeah. how, how many, is she like in all of the big fucking franchises? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like she's in every single one. Star Trek. Uh, I don't think she did Star Wars. Aven- Avengers. Yeah, that's Guardians. I think, yeah, she's like Avatar. So I think Star Wars is really the only one unless she can do like fast wait for it fire her yeah. agent then damn yeah <laughs> it's gonna happen but yeah i saw her and i'm like holy crap i totally forgot that she was in this at all uh so that was kind of fun uh but watching it again too it sort of made me want to revisit some of my favorite pirate movies uh and not so favorite pirate movies and so Did it made you, me think or are you still thinking about it uh, I mean, I went back and watched a few like Yellowbeard. I'll watch that one every couple of years. The one with uh, Graham Chapman, which is like half of Monty Python is in it. And it's it's one of the best pirate parodies Yeah, I remember ever. that. And yeah. Cheech and Chong. Yeah, and, they show uh, up. Yeah. Uh, and John Cleese plays like Blind Pew. And it's like him and Eric Idle have a whole interaction. It's one of my favorite lines in the whole thing uh, where 
like you hear like bells ringing and, and John Cleese, the blind guy, like leans in so he can tell where it's coming from. And he's got a thing with Eric Kyle. He's like, he's over there. He's like, how do you do that? I've got a cute earring. He's like, we're not interested in your jewelry. Yeah. Boom, boom. So it's just stupid. Uh, so there's that. And then another one from like 86 called Pirates that Roman Polanski did with Walter Matthau, which is just, it's a throwaway, but it's got all of the pirate vibe. And it's just Walter Matthau being just a totally despicable uh, pirate dude. A dingy, gross movie, but it's fun to watch if you ever want. So I kind of did those. And then it made me think of the pirate movie with Christy McNichol and uh, Christopher Christopher Atkins, which is just from start to finish is like the most train wrecky of train wreck movies I think I've ever seen. It's so (laughs) terrible. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll so, stick with this one, I think. Yeah. And then and then of course Cutthroat Island, which I did rewatch recently, but it literally took four attempts to get all the way through. I like watched it in like 30 minute chunks. Cause that it's was just amazing ouch. When that came out, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that was like that was I don't know. It was it was uh every 10 years or so a movie comes out that is so bad and so universally hated, it's yeah. like a cultural event. I mean, that one almost wrecked Gina Davis's career. If yeah, I remember that correctly, Lenny Harlan, you know, she like married yeah, that was him, like, I think, and then yeah. made well, that, were, and that was it for both of them, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> like like that pretty much killed Rennie Harlan's big tentpole movie career right there. He he and never words, really rebounded. Words you don't you've never seen since then are starring Matthew Modine. I mean, he does all right. He ended up in Stranger Things and whatnot. He's a so character just, actor. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> his whole thing. Starring in nothing. But here's the thing with Cutthroat Island. It's like they don't even try for verisimilitude. It's just sort of like we're going to be on the high seas in the 1850s or whatever. Here's a bunch of Americans pretending to be fucking pirates. It's like this doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. Like Frank Langella <laughs> shows up as the evil pirate villain named Dog. And then it's got that awful line at the very end when he's sh- like doing the big showdown with Gina Davis at the end. And she like shoots him with the cannon. But before she lights the fuse, she's like, bad dog. And then boom, blows him out the thing. I'm like, this is just really like cannon films needs to just die horrible wow. death for good. Wow. And it pretty much killed him. Like this yeah. was it for canon films. <laughs> it's like, oh God, it's such a terrible movie. So I watched that and I'm like, I appreciate Curse of the Black Pearl even more. It's like, it's- it just kind of also yeah. shows you how dangerous filmmaking is because you don't have an audience to gauge this off of mm-hmm. you're putting millions of dollars into something to find out if anybody yeah. likes like if you're a stand-up comic you can work like two in the morning in in a club of hardly any people and gauge a reaction and then afterwards write down okay this joke worked this joke did not okay yeah. this and that they they need to do it all at once and I'm like, I'm thinking that bad dog moment could have worked if it had worked. Does that make sense? It's like they had no idea that was stupid until (laughs) until (laughs) like we all saw it and agreed that was stupid. Well, but the part of the problem is that Gina Davis is sort of ill served by the entire enterprise. I mean, she's sort of somnambulant through most of it. It's like, I don't buy her as an action hero. Whereas you do like long kiss goodnight. I totally buy her as an ass kicking assassin in that one. She's just she's served better by that script than she is by anything that Cutthroat Island tried to do. And there's no chemistry between her and Matthew Modine. It's just flat from start to finish. Has there ever been chemistry between Matthew Modine and any actress? 
I mean, have you seen Vision Quest, sir? Me love you long time. Me love you long time. Me be your girlfriend, Vietnam. (laughs) Oh, shut up. But speaking of actresses, we can kind of wind it up unless you have other stuff to say. We should wind uh, it up. But but the fact that uh, a couple of the people they considered for Jack Sparrow at the time. So could, could you imagine Jim Carrey doing that? He was one of the considerations. And that was like right when, like, like he had gone over the Ace Ventura thing and he was like getting into serious acting, but it was sort of like, eh. but I could just see him like Ace Venturing his way through, through that entire enterprise. That oh, just yeah. I'm surprised he didn't show up in it at some point. Right. Well, other people that they considered were Michael Keaton and Christopher Walken. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> both of those are fun. I'm like, <laughs> I could see, I could see Christopher Walken in it. He'd have been just as strange as Johnny Depp. It would just be yeah. a totally different flavor. Uh, but it just didn't quite work. Well, I, as I understand it, Johnny Depp brought the entire Keith Richards drunk thing to the table. He he yeah, showed yeah. up and was doing his screen test in the studio. Is like, is this working? I don't this doesn't know. seem like this is working. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's yeah. You hear stories like that. It's like, how did this thing, as we saw it, get made? It's like they just took a huge gamble because they. I don't think they'd really done a big giant pirate movie since Cutthroat Island, and we know how that turned out. So it's yeah. like Disney just taking a big roll of the dice. And saying, "Hey, fuck it," and they made like you know billions of dollars by now. It's I mean, crazy. And it was part of, as I say, their ongoing experiment to make movies out of rides, so that right. they wouldn't have to pay for <laughs> exactly, you know, like like basically glom off of an existing property that doesn't have any attachment. Yeah, like if you were to do like another one, what would be your your Disney ride that you'd want to see as a movie? Uh, I still can't believe they haven't made Space Mountain, right? That, that would be seems interesting. Like to write itself, right? It's yeah. sci-fi. It's a mountain. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see the the Hall of Presidents movie, but do it like that weird uh, Star Trek original series episode where they're on the planet where they bring in like Abe Lincoln to fight Kirk in the arena oh, yeah. of death or whatever. <laughs> like have all of the presidents like show up and like through space Ooh. and time or some shit what if uh, you what if you did sort of a uh breaking fourth wall thing where like it's the hall of presidents but somehow all the presidents come alive and they start killing people and yeah so exactly like, we've exactly. got to we've got to kill all 44 animatronic presidents <laughs> or it's <laughs> like the only way you can become 40, the next president is 45. to kill all former 45 presidents yeah or something no no, like no, no 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 that's the Hall of Presidents is the sequel to my idea, which is that aliens come and they abduct a representative sample of all of the different cultures on Earth <laughs> yeah. and put them in a there little terrarium that is a small world after all. And um, and they have to be rescued by the yeah. presidents, by the I mean, I have this, presidents. I, yeah, yeah, I yes. imagine this scene where animatronic Joe Biden is like, I am the president of the United States. And then real Joe Biden says, no, I am, you son of a bitch. And just like beats the shit out of him, you know, because he's an action hero and just yeah. just tears his head off. And he's, ah! yeah, he's wearing like the aviator shades in the whole nine yes. yards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah drives Dark through Brandon a bunch of them in his Corvette. Yeah. 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 And that's we, we can finally do our scene. Uh <laughs> That, like the action theme scene on uh, It's a Small World, where it, the song It's a Small World is playing yes! on a loop and it just drives you in because there's all this like tense action, <laughs> but two, it's a small world after all. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that actually drives up the tension because yeah. you have to hear that, that over often. and over and over. Yeah. yeah. Lisa, I shut love up. It. Bart, drink the water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Pirates of the Caribbean. I sense Eric is sort of waffling on whether or not he enjoys it. 
but uh I, but I I didn't I I didn't care when I saw it and yeah. I kind of didn't care when I watched it again. I was like That's fair. Eh, it's mass market entertainment. It's kind of like saying what did you think of that sandwich from McDonald's, you know? Right, but it's good <laughs> mass market entertainment. But yeah, nobody does this shit like Disney. When Disney's firing on all cylinders, you they know this. how to make the product. Uh, yeah, you get yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. Well, Walt uh, Disney I look forward studios, the Honda motors of cinema. <laughs> well, I look, yeah, I look forward to, uh, pirates of the Caribbean, like nine or whatever's coming up. Uh, uh yeah. With Margot be, Robbie just, or whatever that like that's oh happening. <sighs> whatever. Isn't she, she's going to be like, uh, Sue storm now. And it's, no, she, it's like, it's gotten she's too doing much. The Barbie movie next. If you haven't seen the trailers for that, Greta yeah. Gerwig's Barbie movie looks yeah. like, I mean, it knows I, how bad it is and yeah. is kind of leaning into it. <laughs> I mean, you I'm know. kind of holding out hope for that one. I mean, it looks like they're being smart asses about it. That's... Oh, they for sure are. The, the new trailer literally says, if you love Barbie, this movie is for you. And then later it says, if you hate Barbie, this movie is for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just uh, I'm on the fence because it could turn out to be like a Josie and the Pussycats kind of a deal. Uh, I'm just like, that was uh, a good film. That was but, good. But nobody gets it. And so it tanked. You know, I think Greta Gerwig's got a lot of uh, I'll give her a lot of uh, time to 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 make her point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, huzzah. If you like pirate movies, uh, Pirates Caribbean, Curse the Black Pearl. And pretty much that's it. Yeah. If you like podcasts, subscribe to ours. Thank you. And rate it on iTunes. Share on your social media with friends. Okay. And then if you want to reach out to us, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. There you'll find links to all of our socials. And uh, you can also email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And then come back next week because, boy, have we got a different movie next week. Oh, yeah. It's about the opposite <laughs> of uh, Tenpole Entertainment. Ask for it by name. You'll figure it out. 